0: Welcome back to the Hemingway. This podcast for Book Six, Chapter One, and if you're reading Maud, also for Book Five, Chapter Twenty Two. Russia and France are now allies, and they go to war together against Russia's former ally, Austria. How do you think the Russian soldiers will react to this sudden change in the enemy? Andre has accomplished what Pierre didn't have the focus to achieve in reforming his serfdoms. Do you think these changes will stick? How might the change impact the pleasantries' view on their masters? Peasantries? Peasantries, I think it's meant to be. Andre finds a kindred spirit in a gnarled oak tree and waxes nihilistic. Again, do you think his opinion of spring love and happiness as always a deception will ever be turned around? Will this mindset help him or hinder him in the end? I like this chapter where he looks at an old tree which is refusing to blossom blossom, and just feels like, yeah, me too, buddy. <laughs> it's a full-on deep and meaningful moment with a tree. Warren Kovofi says, not sure, which amazes me more, that France and Russia are now allies or that France has the resources to basically be at war endlessly. I doubt the bulk of the Russian army will forget that the French were enemies not too long ago. If it was Pierre who actually pulled off these changes with serfs, they would very likely be temporary, with André, however, I imagine they will stick around for some time. I believe André is just still healing after the loss of Lisa, and what he went through with at Atortslitz. It sounds like he's made strides, though, and his overall mood seems to be much less cold than the time Pierre met him. Perhaps Pierre is the birch, and André is the oak. The birch is putting out leaves to welcome spring quickly, and it should be a matter of time before the oak does too. So Pierre's just a little bit ahead of the curve, you reckon? Um, Twisted Every Way says, I'm impressed that Andre was able to make all the changes on his estate regarding the serfs, he is much more in command and isn't taken advantage of, like Pierre, not, all su- not at all surprised that Pierre couldn't get it done. Yeah, his intention's are good old Pierre, but he's a bit all over the shop. I might be alone in this, but I'm ready for another scandal. Ha ha, I need some juicy society gossip. I'm tired of Andres moping and Rostov's stupid decisions. Well, Rostov's stupid decisions are quite scandalous, but I do know what you mean. You want some society action? I'm sick of all this war action. Actually, it hasn't really been that old war, has it? But it is a bit of a strange part of the book. It's a bit of like a a lull. Everyone's in a funk. Uh, okay, chapter two. Let's go. Prince Andre had to see the Marshal of the Nobility for the district in connection with the affairs of the Ryazan estate, of which he was trustee, This marshal was Count Ilya Rostov, and in the middle of May Prince Andrei went to visit him. It was now hot spring weather. The whole forest was already clothed in green. It was dusty and so hot that on passing near water one longed to bathe. Prince Andrei, depressed and preoccupied with the business about which he had to speak to the marshal, was driving up the avenue in the grounds of the Rostov's house at Otrodnoe. He heard merry, girlish cries behind some trees on the right, and saw a group of girls running to cross the path of his kalish. Ahead of the rest, and nearer to him, ran a dark-haired, remarkably slim, pretty girl in a yellow chintz dress, with a white handkerchief on her head, from under which loose locks of hair escaped. The girl was shouting something, but seeing that he was a stranger, ran back laughing without looking at him. Suddenly he did not know why, he felt a pain. The day was so beautiful, the sun so bright, everything around so gay, but that slim pretty girl did not know, or wished to know, of his existence, and was contented and cheerful in her own separate, probably foolish, but bright and happy life. What is she so glad about? What is she thinking of? "'not of the military regulations "'or of the arrangement of the Ryazan serfs, Quint- "'quitrants. Oh, "'What is she thinking? "'Why is she so happy?' "'Prince Andrei asked himself "'with instinctive curiosity. "'In 1809, Count Rostov "'was living at Otrodnoi, "'just as he had done in former years, "'that is, entertaining almost the whole province "'with hunts, theatricals, dinners and music. "'He was glad to see Prince Andrei.' as he was to see any new visitor, and insisted on his staying the night. During the dull day, in the course of which he was entertained by his elderly hosts, and by the more important of the visitors, the old Count's house was crowded on account of an approaching name-day, Prince André repeatedly glanced at Natasha, gay and laughing among the younger members of the company, and asked himself each time, "'What is she thinking about? Why is she so glad?' That night, alone in new surroundings, he was long unable to sleep. He read a while, and then put out his candle, but relit it. It was hot in the room, the inside shutters of which were closed. He was cross with the stupid old man, as he called Rostov, who had made him stay by assuring him that some necessary documents had not yet arrived from town, and he was vexed with himself for having stayed. He got up and went to the window to open it, As soon as he opened, the shutters, the moonlight, as if it had long been watching for this, burst into the room. He opened the casement. The night was fresh, bright, and very still. Just before the window was a row of pollard trees, looking black on one side, and with a silvery light on the other. Beneath the trees grew some kind of lush, wet, bushy vegetation with silver-lit leaves and stems here and there. Farther back beyond the dark trees, a roof glittered with dew. To the right was a leafy tree with brilliantly white trunk and branches, and above it shone the moon nearly at its full in a pale, almost starless spring sky. Prince Andre leaned his elbows on the window ledge and his eyes rested on that sky. His room was on the first floor. Those in the rooms above were also awake. He heard female voices overhead. Just once more, said a girlish voice above him, which Prince Andre recognised at once. "'But when are you coming to bed?' replied another voice. "'I won't. I can't sleep. What's the use?' "'Come now, for the last time.' Two girlish voices sang a musical passage, the end of some song. "'Oh, how lovely. Now, go to sleep, and there's an end of it.' "'You go to sleep, but I can't,' said the first voice. Coming nearer to the window, she was evidently leaning right out for the rustle of her dress, and even her breathing could be heard. Everything was stone still, like the moon and its light and the shadows. Prince Andrei too dared not stir, for fear of betraying his unintentional presence. Sonia, Sonia, he again heard the first speaker. Oh, how can you sleep? Only look how glorious it is, Ah, how glorious. Do wake up, Sonia, she said, almost with tears in her voice. There never, never was such a lovely night before. Sonya made some reluctant reply. Do just come and see what a moon, oh how lovely. Come here, darling sweetheart, come here. There, you see, I feel like sitting down on my heels, putting my arms around my knees like this, straining tight, as tight as possible, and flying away like this. Take care, you'll fall out. He heard the sound of a scuffle and Sonia's disapproving voice. It's past one o'clock. Oh, you only spoil things for me. All right, go, go. Again all was silent, but Prince Andrei knew she was still sitting there. From time to time he heard a soft rustle and at times a sigh. Oh God, oh God, what does it mean? She suddenly exclaimed. To bend then, if it must be. And she slammed the casement. For her I might well not. Ex- I might as well not exist thought Prince Andre, while he listened to her voice, for some reason expecting, yet fearing that she might say something about him. There she is again, as if it were on purpose, thought he. In his soul there suddenly arose such an unexpected turmoil of youthful thoughts and hopes, contrary to the whole tenor of his life, that unable to explain his condition to himself, he lay down and fell asleep at once. Where? Wait, I'm confused by this chapter. Is he just outside their window? Prince Andrei leaned his elbows on the window ledge. His room was on the first floor. Those in the rooms above were awake. Ah, okay. So he's listening to voices from the room above him, from out his window. She's looking out her window, he's looking out his, and he can hear them. Gotcha. Alright, that makes sense now. Sorry, I was having trouble picturing that because I missed the bit where Prince Andre was leaning out his window. And I'm like, is he just, like, outside the house, listening to her through the window? That makes more sense. And it's far less creepy. Uh, alright. Prince Andre is, uh, what's the right word here? Enamoured by young Natasha? Um, And it's nice to be back at the Rostov's house with Sonya and Natasha, just still being kind of like childishly optimistic. I like that. They still seem youthful. They're the only characters left in the book that still seem youthful at this point. Um, Very nice. Alright, have your say about the chapter on the subreddit. Thanks for listening and I will see you tomorrow.